Wild podcast, where three beautiful full-figure, talented Black women talk about their experiences moving through this world and sharing their knowledge to further support Black businesses and build up Black communities. I'm Kylie Too Smart. I am Prowess of Testament. Sometimes V is not joining us today because she is sometimes V always busy. Um, but we will definitely have her on the next episode and she will be missed in this one, but we still have some great topics to cover uh, with just the two of us. We can make it if we try. <laughs> and technically I'm a K too. My full name is really Corinthia. So it's like, All right, so it's the twin K's on. <laughs> it's, it's a K episode. Yes. Uh, so let's get right into our How's Your Week segment. Flowers, how's your week? Going good. I am, um, I, I've been saying to everybody, I've got a work burnout where I have to acknowledge that I'm burned out. Um, you know, you're trying to prevent that before it happens, but it does. And I'm now looking for ways to like, make sure that I alert people that that's the, the case being able to um, start delegating things and also just alerting my boss, right, my manager that I need additional support at this time to get some things done. And um, so battling that, and I feel like when you do have professional burnout, it really, it has, you know, life creep. So I'm going through that, but I feel like it's, you know, we, it's a real topic, you know, <laughs> as women, we don't yes. think you know, you just kind of pile on to yourself because it's almost impossible to let something fall. And I have to let one of the glass balls fall and, you know, something. And uh, But I'm going to prioritize, you know, my self-care and making sure that whatever that ball is that does fall, that it's not something that impacts my personal life. Yeah. Yeah. How about I was you? Like, oh, I was like, man, um, I am feeling that because I literally had a similar situation where um, my program relies so heavily on my position mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. my position even affects programs outside of my program because uh, just the nature of the of the job in the nonprofits where sometimes like you'll get one office that manages to perfect like a workflow um, and a procedural yeah. thing and then other people notice and like oh your numbers are so good like what are you doing can you mm -hmm. implement this at other programs and um, I've just been blessed to work with like a really amazing team and so we are able to get that workflow down and so it's like we have a lot of attention on our programs specifically like oh data and admin is like we need our metrics um, depend or, or really dictate like our funding right so it's like yes. how many people are you connecting to income how many people are you connecting the primary care provider and how, how, like how quickly are you able to do these things what's mm -hmm. your charting looking like and so it's like all of these things right and now people are coming and asking oh can you help do this for other sites and I'm just like I can barely do this for my site <laughs> yes yeah you know, especially since I went so long without a program manager I'm just like so burnt out we're like yes. I'm so burnt out. I was like I've been uh, like pretty much keeping my program together, yes. keep it together, I feel and you. helping other programs. Well, and that then comes right. Like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like now I have a program manager, and I'm like trying to push mm -hmm. things off of my plate now because, like, hey, all of these things ended up on my plate, but they were never originally mine. Like we yeah. have someone else who yeah. has a whole position. I'm like, even like, even when people are emailing me about like onboarding stuff, I'm like, hey, 
we have a whole onboarding team. I will send you, sure, I have the information, I'll send it to you, but I'm going to refer you back out to like where you're supposed to go. Like, oh, if you need help responding to this, please respond to such and such person. That's their, like, that's their job. Yeah. Um, and so it's like a lot of this is like people don't realize how much you do until you stop doing them. And then they come to you and ask you, hey, like, why do you stop doing this thing? I was like, it was never mine. Please take right. me back. Um, or telling, uh, we're telling people that like, oh, we're going to have like a role reprisal and your role is going to be more uh, supervisory. And it's just like, okay, well then the pay needs to reflect that role change and expectations. Right. And it's like, that's kind of been the struggle that I've been in right now is communicating like, hey, you're a program manager, you're here now. I've been doing all these things. I'm burnt out. Like, I need a break. Yeah. Help me I out. Need uh, I need a break. Allow okay. me to, like, you see that I've been doing things and getting the work done and that I did it without a program manager. I don't need people to necessarily, like, micromanage. Um, but yes. also understand that because I have been doing it myself, there's a lot of things and knowledge that, like, I don't think to pass on or to run by someone because I haven't had to for the last eight months. Probably you know probably. what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. just like, just al allow us all a little grace period to adjust. Um, yeah. That's and just exactly. having that conversation, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and allowing mm -hmm. us to have support. Like, so uh, like the highlight of my week was actually something that I did with Veronica and um, we'll go in more depth about it in the next episode, but we had the opportunity, um, California Life Sciences had put on a racial and social um, equity uh, initiative. Mm -hmm. So just a, a meeting with all these people from larger nonprofits to startup companies um, were here or were there to discuss um, how to include more BIPOC um, nonprofits and individuals specifically focusing like on women in STEM and including uh, rather extending that also to like medical. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, it was really the the new head for that initiative, um, Illy Peters, um, was speaking and she's a wonderful, wonderful orator and was like talking about, you know, how her parents were um, civil rights activists and what it means to actually do the work in these communities as it pertains to science and funding mm -hmm. and um, education and opening doors and um, being able to navigate all these different spaces, right? We're always told like, oh, like everybody has their piece of the pie, but this is like, no, how do we get access to this pie? Cause some of us don't even get like a slice or a crumb. Okay. So <laughs> let us all get in that pie. Can we get some of the pie? Um, and it, it was uh, just a really incredible event. I got to meet so many um, just wonderful, brilliant people, but also got to connect with more um, individuals in the nonprofit world in San Jose. And um, so that was like the highlight of my week. And then yeah, we did all the things. It was very inspiring. Very inspiring. Oh, I can't wait like to talk I'm, about I'm, it. I'm excited about it. Like I was there. It was me. I work in STEM education and like that's so, you know, in the nonprofit space. And like, I feel like it is a, so many organizations are at a crossroads right now. There's not a lot of folks who are really so, they may be talking about it, but they're not really 
willing to put their, you know, walk the walk, talk the talk, do an event like this to really sell your money it. where your mouth is. Yeah, you gotta, <laughs> you like, know, and actually get people to connect and link up and uh, just know that each other are out here for that type of support um, and networking. So that was a really great, great time. And then one of my friends also moved back to town uh, with her two babies. So I'm like so excited. I got to spend time with them and we played phase 10. Um, I want to say from like eight until four in the morning. That's 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 the best plane. <laughs> I did like the first round. It's the little one. She, she be cheating. She the little one be cheating. <laughs> she, be, she be pulling wilds in every hand. I'm like, ma'am, how did you get through all of these runs? We're still stuck on like a run of four, set of four. Her, like, she over here. little cards out. <laughs> Like she got overalls on with a little chest pocket. I'm like, yeah, you better uh, watch, watch her. She shuffles. Uh-huh. And, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh-huh. We know what's up. <laughs> little ones. <laughs> but it was a, it was great, and it's like I really missed. Uh, I just missed that time. Yeah, you know, I was uh, doing like, I don't know. I feel like uh, I'm at that. Well, I've always been at that age, but I've always preferred like going to a friend's house. And like having a game night and like mm-hmm. having good food and good drinks and just like laughing and making jokes and uh rather than like going out to the club just like i would much rather have that experience i feel like you get yes. so much more out of it same um mm-hmm. yeah so that was my that was my week it was a yeah. great week i'm in my painting gear because also my aunt moved in um and like all of her stuff finally arrived and so i've been like just working my butt off to get her room ready it was like primer's done paint is like i got one coat down we're gonna do another coat you are the, you are the brand ambassador for h and g right now like oh my gosh i was like lowe's <laughs> is having a sale on their flooring they're doing like free installations on their like nice faux hardwood flooring so after I paint, I'm gonna rip that carpet up and see what my floors look like underneath. I know I have hardwood flooring throughout. Yeah. I'm just like, do I have the time and energy to like sand and buff and do all the things? Oh. Yeah. Before I get my aunt stuff. Like I feel so bad. Like right now she's sleeping on the couch. And I'm like, it's a comfortable couch. It's a nice couch. It's a com- look, listen, I've been sleeping on the sofa because my bed is broken. So you get a comfortable sofa and that's you know that's the backup so you always get a comfortable sofa <laughs> like it's a comfortable sofa but i understand like it's a sofa <laughs> yeah and yeah. you might want to unpack your stuff eventually yeah exactly yeah oh uh, uh, i've been doing that for her like i love her oodles and in caboodle she deserves to have like a nice clean refreshed space, space that yeah. she moves into that is hers mm-hmm. um so like accomplished accomplishments we don't yeah. mind coming on the podcast looking like our real selves. You know what? The Listen, yeah, I mean, this is I've homeowner got a realness. Better shirt today from do the better. Do Better Festival, and uh, yeah, I I performed in the Do Better Festival that was curated by uh, by uh, Joey Z and Adeline. Uh, uh, they did a beautiful event um, that was. Um, I mean, listen, this festival had everybody from Negaran to. Uh, Mark Cooper. It was it was so many people. I can't even tell you how many people were in it. <laughs> Tons. It was a cloth and bump. It was so many people. But it was um, all the idea around it was to uh, 
put proceeds to the Brave Space Alliance in Chicago, which aims to be a space for, for people as they're sort of identifying themselves. So whether or not um, you may be transitioning, you may not really know what, you may not feel comfortable telling anybody, you may not, you know, sometimes what you find is that people are most judgmental during that transitional space. And so this is a community or a program really that sort of helps provide that affirming kind of community and educating and empowering and knowledge sharing and also giving a lot of different community resources for LGBTQ and BIPOC communities. Um, just recognizing, right, there's sometimes that oppression of not feeling visible when you're, you know, in this, in queer and trans and trying to be seen. Um, we'll talk about a little bit more about sort of of uh, this conversation, I think, as we go on. But that that for this festival, I always like to wear this shirt because it just reminds me: do better um, in everything. <laughs> do better, right? And do break better. down barriers for yourself. Yeah. I actually think that's like a wonderful uh, transition to our next topic, talking yes. on um, doing better. Uh, so, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> yes. Dave Chappelle's latest special, Ooh Baby, I watched it yesterday. So it is hot and fresh in mm -hmm. my mind. Yes. What did you think? So <laughs> like, what was your you initial know, take? Did you, Dave how do you process Dave Chappelle is one of my DC Chappelle? homies. So it's, it's yes. very hard, right? When you, you, you know how it goes. When you got somebody who is a, a byproduct or, you know, one of your, your, your siblings from your local community and, and, the, and, and someone who actually gives back. There's a lot of people who are from here who don't even acknowledge it. Um, you know, Dave comes back here. He goes to the local clubs and tips and he, you know, he um, buys his, his kids come and he takes them on field trips to the Smithsonian and, you know, makes donations. He comes back to his alma mater, which is a school for the arts, Duke Ellington School School of the Arts, where a lot of a lot of people have graduated from. He's one of the few who continues to invest money. Um, Netflix is investing money in Duke Ellington because of their relationship with him. So he, he's a do-gooder here um, and across spaces, right, and, and building inclusive communities. Um, but so it's hard when you're a stand-up comedian, however, and it is your job to really kind of, I won't say have difficult conversations, but part of it is really thinking about, I mean, race, gender, religion, sexuality, um, you know, psychology of culture, those things are hella funny. And they're also kind of hella there, there's never an easy way for any of those things, right? It's always offensive because of how we connect our, whether it's culturally or religious or um, those things, because they're very close to you, they're very personal to you, and they're your identity. Um, and so, anyway, the the whole entire situation that's going on right now, controversy around Dave Chappelle's comments about. Um, the transgender community, which he continues to stay in hot water with, I feel like is just, you know, it's it's hard because on one level, I do understand that most often, sadly, in D.C. at least, um, transgender um, women that are being murdered are women that look like me um, and look like Dave, right? Look like they're Black women. Um, and so it's hard because it's sometimes regressive. It, uh, you know, where we have the opportunity to sort of be groundbreaking, 
Um, but then at the same time, is comedy really supposed to do that? Is comedy supposed to be, you know, is it is it really this thing that kind of brings these conversations under fire? Um, these, you know, around, I think he, he talked about the family of Daphne Dorman um, really backed Dave Chappelle. Um, and the family is like, look, the, Daphne would have been, would have thought this was hilarious. Um, right. And the baby and... <laughs> supporting the baby like I don't support the debate the baby I don't I JK Rowling I think is is a weirdo and and I'm not team turf I don't have anything you know I think she ruined herself with that um by just being a, a jerk um and not really like gender is not a fact um science shows that I don't understand like what's with these people but Anyway, for Dave, I feel like it's hard because if anything, I feel like we should be having now is where the conversations start, the open conversation about identity and, you know, where do we find, how do we identify from here, you know, what's derogatory and what isn't, and people should be educating each other and ourselves about what we find to be, you know, funny. Um, but anyway, but that, that's my thing. I, I, did I feel insulted by it? No, but I am also not transgender. And so I feel like it's an oppressed, I feel like there was moments being a black woman, however, right? Be, uh, oppressed factions being, you know, pulled to, or, or I guess pulled apart that like, as a black woman, how do you feel about this? And then, you know, if you're, if you are part of this community, how do you feel? because you don't feel seen. And I feel like as black women, that's a really hard space because, you know, we're fighting so much for our visibility. So I understand my sisters out here fighting for their visibility and for their own spaces to be just, you know, allow me to exist in myself. I'm not, I'm not bothering you. Um, so yeah, but tell me, um, Kylie, how you felt about it. Um, so when I, I tend to, view Dave Chappelle from a different lens I guess like another lens of just thought anytime I see him on stage because mm -hmm. I know the thought process or at least I feel like I understand the thought process behind the jokes that he makes every joke yeah. that he makes is meant to be a social commentary every yes. joke that he makes is meant to have a conversation or discussion around it and mm -hmm. I think sometimes when you are broaching difficult conversations you do use comedy to break it in right and then yes. he does recognize very much the fact that at some points in times he's literally just playing devil's advocate mm -hmm. i do not necessarily feel this way but i can see how this uh un disproportionately will affect one person if they say it versus another and he feels because of just the fact that he is who he is um, that he has the moral high ground to bring these conversations up, right? Yeah. And at a certain point, it's like, yeah, that is true. Um, Dave Chappelle is someone who has put his money where his mouth is and, you know, has stood up for the things that he thought were wrong and basically didn't, like, sell out, right? So yeah. he feels on that point that he has earned the right to discuss these things in these spaces, um, but also recognizes that uh, he is rich and famous and if shit blows up in his face and we really decide to like, well, fuck you, cancel you, 
he's fine. He's okay. Yeah. And right. So it's like at the end of the day, who, who else is going to bring up these conversations? I thought it was um, like, honestly, I, I was not personally offended. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, kind of saw where I'm just like, okay, Dave, like you already know that there's going to be things in here that are automatically triggering and you try to soften and like, you kind of tell like where the trajectory is going to be. How hard is this going to be to take? You start (laughs) off talking about Stonewall and it's like, it does a few things. It's like, okay, you let us know that you're educated about Stonewall and you know what's up, but also. (laughs) And that's a classified or hierarchy to identity though right like it that was my real gaze i was like no (laughs) why do we have you know it's like it's the i mean and i hate to use it in that way but it's like the the real nigga complex like there is an idea around like what blackness looks like and we we have had this conversation on the show about like oh yeah if you are if you you know you demonstrate this that is what blackness looks like. But the moment that you are deviant from any of those things, you know, if you're, you don't prefer to do, you know, one of these 10 things and that's not in your list for whatever your preferences are, it's like you, you're black, but you ain't black, black, you know, it's your Obama black, you're, you're some, you know what I'm saying? It's some other like qualifier of your blackness. And, um, and, and it's weird, but I'm, I'm Kylie, I know you've heard this before too, like geographically, even I feel like people will, will use that as a measure, um, you know, like, oh, if you're from this Detroit, you know, it's like, oh, you black, black. But if you're from, let's say Sioux Falls, Idaho, Iowa, I'm sorry, it's kind of like, you might be, you know, and, and being from California, I know that. Did you grow up around enough black people to be black? (laughs) Yes. And that's where it's like, are you, are you gay enough? You know, are, are you, are you Stonewall gay or are you, you know, one of these, one of the new, I, I just thought I was like, oh, gay. you Starbucks joke. gay or you Stonewall gay? Like, yeah. That um... joke kind of like, um, I didn't really, I get that. Yeah. He was, he was trying to, like you said, the trajectory of where it's going. And if anything, it creates a conversation point. Maybe people will go understand that. Um, but yeah, there were so many things I just, I was like, one of the things that I think that that made me the most uh, cringy was the moment that he was trying to, which I, I understood, he was trying to say as a Black man, he felt a little jealous about the movement, um, the L, LBG, um, well, not really, not really just LBDQ, L, I'm sorry, hello, <laughs> not just LBGTQ <laughs> plus uh, movement, but other movements, because he spoke about sort of Me Too and other movements, particularly that were not sort of Black presenting movements that automatically earned respect and that they were so coordinated and able to do things. And I think that that came from a real sincere place. It was a little cringy, though, because it implies that as you're Black, you have to choose your Blackness or you have to choose... Blackness comes first above identity. Your intersectionality is, like, lacking there, right? Exactly. That's exactly where I felt. I was like, well, wait a second. But but some of us are all, like, and it's okay. Right? I was like, you can't on one hand be like, Black lives matter and be like, Black lives matter more than Black trans lives matter. And so it's just like it's not a more or less than right um but you can recognize and call out privilege i do think that 
the point that he made about the baby's career. Um, now that was interesting because I didn't know that about him. I didn't know that about him either. I really did not. Um, <laughs> and it, I think it's wild sometimes because we are like on the internet, but also um, a lot of these people um, who are like new to the baby, right? Where people who didn't really listen to the baby, but only know about him through this controversy like yeah they wouldn't know if this is the only clip that they're seeing seeing about him they're like yeah cancel that dude that's fucking terrible exactly but the reality is uh, deja pill does have a point it is more acceptable it's absolutely more acceptable to kill a black person on top of that a black man yeah than it is or i won't even say acceptable but you will get there are more ramifications um which i was like no one should be condoning hate speech but it's like if the ramifications are hurt feelings versus like life and death then there is a a reality check i think for some of these movements that are pushing for progress progress is great in all of its forms however because we are operating in a system now where it's like intersectionality exists Mm -hmm. is progress being made for everyone yes across the whole plane should it be right and Mm -hmm. i think sometimes when we separate our movements so completely then we allow this kind of like separation and breaking yeah um of our marginalized communities to happen even further which is a tragedy and a travesty in and of itself mm-hmm. um, that it we do get this crabs in a barrel mentality. And I would have hoped that someone in Dave Chappelle's situation and having the experience in the world that he has and seeing yeah. how yeah. movies actually do progress. Um, he spent time in Africa. He spent time studying Nelson Mandela. Um, you yeah, know what I mean? And so smart and educated, like, and this not, he, DC is a very a very progressive city when it, it's conservative in some ways, but progressive mm. when it comes to sexuality and gender. Like we've had a Miss Adams Morgan, which is a, a transgender and cross-dressing event that's been happening since the '70s here. Like Adams Morgan um, and Dupont Circle are areas that have been sort of create sort of th- this community where you can find a safe space for LGBTQ audiences here. So it was just people come, you know, we've always had events, we've always had programs, people go party in the same clubs, they go do, like we we all party side by side, like no, we go, you know, it's not untraditional to go to a gay club here, like people go hang out right. with them. So Dave Chappelle is experienced, you know, when our cultures are very close, um, yeah. uh, especially because in urban, that's where the clubs are here in DC. So. Um, because of sort of the conservative urban. part. Yeah, the, 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 the gay clubs are in urban spaces. So it's not like, you know, whereas um, I feel like in some other spaces, maybe you, you know, people are sort of uh, maybe blinded to, to things. Like here, it's like, it's not unlikely to be partying with somebody and that is just a part of your experience. You, we don't have as much uh, segregation of like, ooh, you can't go to this club and I'm gonna go to this club. Like, People go to gay clubs and that's, you have your bartenders, um, you know, are, are, are bartending in all. I mean, it's very inclusive when that, so I know, so Dave Chappelle knows, right? It's like, 
he chooses to have these conversations, but he's not uneducated about it because in growing up in DC, I don't see how you can be like, especially as a black person, because you are in urban spaces where those clubs and people are partying and hanging out and going, we, like I said, we are all commingling on a daily basis. Also, I think um, the, the delivery of how Dave Chappelle interacts with the audience has changed. He is no mm-hmm. longer like a comedian in the traditional sense. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if, Explain uh, that. Um, so when I think of like, oh, I just blinked on his name, Kevin Hart, right? Mm-hmm. You see how he puts his specials together. Um, and then you see him like in real life doing other things his specials it's like and i'm sure like every comedian does this they work on their jokes they write it through they perfect their set um but dave Chappelle doesn't necessarily have traditional jokes and traditional sets anymore and oh, okay. especially if people like um expect like more formulated jokes like if you yeah. think of comedy and you think of like oh like, I'm going to laugh. I'm going to go to this club. I'm going to laugh. They're going to pick a topic. They're going to find some way to make it funny, right? right. Whereas Dave Chappelle now, his, it's not really so much of like a, like, yeah, we're going to laugh, but he is not purposefully like creating jokes to get a laugh. Now, it is a social commentary. He's creating jokes to start uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. And so I yeah. think people need to stop expecting that his... um sets now are going to be feel good laugh tracks they're not no yeah and they haven't been um for a long time and i think he stopped really doing that kind of feel good um joke lighthearted comedy material um when he kind of stepped into his own power when he walked away from his special originally Mm -hmm. i think that that people have yet to really make that connection or like disconnection yeah. So they're just like, oh, everybody should be able to come here and just have a good laugh. And it's just like, well, yes, everybody can, but you have to like come into this with the knowledge that this is the type of show that's going to be. It's going to be uncomfortable and it's purposefully that way. There are going and to be you, moments and, yeah. that you laugh and it's like purposefully done that way. Um, I never paid I also, attention to that, but you're, yeah, that's, you're, you're enlightening me on something that I did not see but is absolutely spot on that eddie griffin does the same thing you you talk about Mm -hmm. topics that are heartbreaking that are traditionally taboo to talk about and you find ways to talk about them uh kevin hart talks about his the experiences that he has with his father and his drug abuse but he makes it almost a caricature right we can all laugh at this all right all right all right everybody laughs at that if you're another child i'll say like me I grew up, both of my parents were addicts. Right. My father is like, oh, if you took that caricature, but then actually like stripped it down to the nitty gritty and all you were left with was like the violence and the drug abuse. Like that's the reality of the situation. Mm -hmm. He has polished Mm -hmm. it up and gave you something that is more palatable and laugh at. Dave Chappelle is like, oh, here's the reality of the situation. And then like, didn't polish it. Yeah. And it was like, is we're like, we're still, still gonna laugh about it. Like, yeah. I'll give you a way to talk about it um, and see if you guys still want to laugh later. There's here's some other lighthearted stuff, but like, here's the reality. Yeah. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of the lighthearted punchline that follows it either. Yeah. And he gives you other materials to research and to look up. Um, I think one of my favorite specials is when he goes behind and, and 
explains the thinking of the the pimp right who's like it was his mm-hmm. money the whole time and and he's like here's the game like it's no longer about the laughs that i can provide to you as a comedian it's now hey i'm giving you insight right. into how this actually works um and it makes me think of how we have all these little kind of like shows on Netflix now, whether it's like two sentence horror stories um, or like mm-hmm. nine perfect strangers um, where it's kind of like these shows that oh, show I you a little more show. of a like dystopian side of things. And they do yeah. get you to think um, a little more about like the manipulation that goes behind like creating an experience or that creating something that is supposed to take you out of reality, but also put you back into it. Right. Yeah. I think Dave Chappelle is one of those people where he's like, yeah, here's the reality of the situation. And here's why a lot of people are upset because when you have a mother who is looking at police violence, um, who's looking at violence against their child simply because of the color of their skin, regardless Mm -hmm. of whether or not they're trans. um, And it's really like a black issue it's very difficult for you to then sit around and look at someone like Caitlyn Jenner run for a Republic office and be yeah. celebrated in their transness when your black children are still dying. So that is a reality. I don't think there's anything wrong with speaking about that. No, I, I think, I, I think he knows what he's doing. He communicated very well. I think the, mm-hmm. the issue is, Hey, you guys are so caught up in your feelings that you don't look at the reality of the situation. Yeah. And like, we all have our own filters and it's really being able to check your own privilege and check your own bias. What in this moment of time in your privilege, do you feel like your feelings really do outweigh this person's life and survival and well-being? If you do, can you recognize that the elevation of your own personal comfort over someone else's life is a colonizing white empowerment ideal we all have been steeped in this systematic racism which is every single person is oppressed in it white black everybody we're all immersed in it so our own thought patterns and our own first reactions are all coming from this space and coming from this origin at least here in america right Mm -hmm. um and so when i think about even my own like hurt feelings about things Mm -hmm. i'll be like okay like is this hurt feeling that i'm having is this actually going to affect my livelihood does this actually affect um like my well-being is this actually instigating uh more violence against me and my personage like or is it really just Mm -hmm. oh i don't like that um is this something that will affect legislation is this something that will affect like wide public opinion to the point right. where my personal rights um, are being stripped from me? And I think that is where it's like looking at cancel culture comes into play. And it's like, not that you can't call out things for being wrong, um, but it's like when you pay attention at what issues are being called out to, what is being deemed yep. so wrong that it demands social action. And yeah. that's where we get caught up. Um, and that's where I think he's, made perfectly valid points. Yeah, I, I, I'm strongly against cancel culture for so many reasons, regardless of whom is being canceled, because I feel like, and especially in an American context, because, you know, 
there, there is a system of retribution. Who gets to cancel, huh? Yeah, exactly. And the, and the retribution and redemption never really gets to happen. And it's like, even if you are canceled, I mean, Aquafina, whomever it is, it's like, oh, you got the chance to do this thing that you may have known better. Maybe you, maybe you've, maybe you've gained some, some knowledge since that time. Maybe you can ask for forgiveness. I saw a recent article, not to even distract from this conversation, but about Adele. Nope, it's all inclusive yeah. and same conversation. Acknowledging that, uh, you know, the, the, the photo that we all saw when she had been gone for quite some time, post-divorce, she's out and about at like some Caribbean festival in Notting Hill. She's got the uh, Bantu knots and um, like a bra that's like a Jamaican flag. And she even acknowledged that like, I didn't read the, you know, the room. I would never have done after she realized that like, this is a protective hairstyle for, for black, for black hair. I'd never thought about what it, what it looked like for me to wear that. She's like, it effed up my head. <laughs> I mean, but I like Adele's um, approach to being honest and transparent about, yeah, I effed that up. That was totally wrong. And then after I got schooled on how it was wrong, like I'll never do that shit again. But at the same time, like I'm also able to kind of be a voice to be able to say, uh, uh-uh, if you are doing this and you don't know it's wrong, you, you are part of the problem too, because she's wondering, well, how did I not know that that was wrong, right? How did I? How not did you know not that? know? Yeah. How did I not Especially, know that that was appropriation? Nobody, yeah. nobody around Adele stepped up and was like, um, "Ma'am." Yeah, when was, she came out of the house, when you left the house, how did, that how did make I it make it to the festival? Look at your team. Look who's around you. Ain't nobody let you know. Somebody yeah. should have let you know. And then, um, also, it's like, I yes, I will take into like to account. Like, it's she's not in America. I don't know specifically what the culture is. In yeah, terms yeah. of like race relations over there, I know there are similar issues, um, yes. but it's like even broader because mm-hmm. now you have specific cultures and people can say like, oh, I'm specifically from this place, this place, this place. And like the um, the hip hop movement, it's always going to be rooted in black culture. Yeah. You know, blues, R&B, it's all rooted in black culture. So you have Truly. artists like Adele who are white artists who are being praised for sounding black. Yeah. Essentially. Like yep. um, people are like, oh, her voice is beautiful, but they talk about the tonality and they talk about a lot of the people that they compare her to are black women. Yeah. Right. And yep. a lot of her appeal and popularity did come from the fact that she was a white woman singing R&B and singing blues and yes. having this powerful voice. Yeah. And, um, and so knowing that, automatically you're working within that space not having any other type of like wherewithal in that tells you a lot about where people are at personally when you are working within a culture but still existing outside of it yeah exactly and not living that experience and being able to put that experience aside and walk through your normal life with your own normal normal (laughs) With your own <laughs> personal privileges, exactly. uh, but exactly. even even that, like normal, your normal life, your normal everyday life. And during the um, pandemic, are there? You know, I feel like there's something that we miss from. You talked about sort of like how do people? They're sort of living in this bubble 
when you don't have people around you who are able to properly sort of give you the the the, the reality check. And then yeah. in this this pandemic, we've been a lot more removed from each other. And so I don't know how much of that is even happening. You know, when when Adele took the photo, it was pre-pandemic, and it just kind of went viral again right before the album. But um, you know, it's now like we're if, if if something like that was to happen, somebody does blackface. You know, how do you, if, if you don't have somebody and immediately like seeing you do it, you can totally do it online and nobody even, and, and be in your space and nobody cares. Like on Juneteenth, I remember them saying, you know, like uh, Twitch and YouTube and a bunch of other uh, streaming platforms were like, we want to dedicate this day to black creators, um, you know, not, not BIPOC, Black creative, right? Which I thought yeah. was very interesting that they said that this is Juneteenth is a day for for us to recognize um, Black people. And so the there was a bunch of people who were streaming on that day who were benefiting from, they were elevating and amplifying Black voices. And the reason they asked people to not stream is so that they can, you know, amplify voices. And it's like, well, whoever we amplify will be Black streaming today. And then were people who were taking advantage of it who were not. You are streaming on this day and it's like, but why are you using this platform? Like you are, are you just kind of unaware? Are you just doing this in spite? And which it doesn't matter what it looks, you know, what it looks like. It matters what, what you, or shouldn't matter. I should say what the optics are. It should matter what you're really doing. Maybe you were spending that time on your own trying to celebrate blackness. But it's like, it winds up, the optics of it are like, oh, okay, you are just going to be disrespectful in this moment. And you could have just let that day breathe. It's one day. You couldn't stream the day before or the day after, you know, playing your content better. And uh, I feel like in the online spaces, we just don't have enough, we don't have enough checking. Right. Um, we really do. <laughs> we really don't. There's like, <laughs> it's the wild, wild west. There's yes. no checking. Who is checking? What trolls? Trolls are just running rampant and they can choose to check whomever they want to check. Speaking exactly. of days, um, I'm like, tomorrow, you know, fuck Columbus Day. Uh, it's Amen. Indigenous <laughs> People's Day. It's in, It's been Indigenous People's Day where I'm at for a while. Um, do they still call it Columbus Day where, so, where you are again, at? Like, this is a, another DC specific thing. So I always feel like DC is weird in this way because we're the District of Columbia. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, Right. Columbus has always been like the day has always been celebrated. It's always been a government, local government holiday. Um, And recently, um, D.C., I mean, mostly the city follows the federal government. So when the federal government makes its declaration, like they they really have to because there's so many intermingling. You know, you're on the train with people who are going into work. So it's like if you're if you're not on that off on that day, people are going to be looking at you. Um, but, you know, the fact that D.C. is just recently um, celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day and, and a lot of the celebrations that are happening here um, are now kind of held in tight spaces. Um, we don't have a large Indigenous community, but it is a tight knit Indigenous community. Um, and so because of that, I feel like there's a lot more acknowledgement and, and the spaces here that we've, you know, are curated to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day, I feel like are so small. There's like five things that happen maybe <laughs> in the city, um, you know, that are that are elevated, I guess, across news outlets and that kind of thing. But 
things that are downtown, it's just not the same as other places. And so I always feel like our, you know, uh, Obama made uh, Indigenous People's Day, um, elevated it as as a U.S. government holiday, which then D.C. then um, picked up on. But we, we really need to do a better job here. Um, especially because of the fact that it's Columbus Day and we are, you know, we are District of Columbia and I feel like it has never represented even the fact that people from, there's a, you know, polarizing conversation because Black people and just people of color here don't call it the District of Columbia. Like the the reference to anything Columbus has always been negatively received. So it's just like, you know, we live in D.C., or as a Washingtonian, like there's nothing around Columbus and that idea. It is very much only Christopher we acknowledge as Wallace here from, <laughs> from the time, even before he was, you know, he was Christopher Wallace. Like they, people just don't, don't go with it here. So I don't know. I feel like it's, it's, but it, it's not, it, despite that, we need to do a better job of, of programming and, com, you know, commemorating the experience because, I can tell you, we don't even have like a guide when you come here for like, you come here for Indigenous Peoples Day to celebrate what museums are, are you able to go to? Like DC is home of the Smithsonian Museum. And there's a lot of things closed, but the museums are actually open on that day in celebration because we want you to come here and actually do that, um, to have this experience. And we don't, we don't have a guide. No, the Washington Post doesn't post for for Internet Indigenous Peoples Day on the internet. You know, some little PDF or something like that, an infographic of here's what your experience can be in DC on that day. We we still don't have anything like that. Which just declares that we're behind. Um, people yes. are like. Yeah, you know, they publish a brunch guide for Indigenous Peoples Day. Where can you find brunch on Indigenous Peoples Day if you still want to have a bottomless brunch? Just like how tr- how trifling. Like, I'm sorry, you know, you want to get mimosas and Bloody Marys. And it's about places that, well, this place isn't closed. They still have your bottomless, you know, Prosecco and Bellinis if you want to go get that, um, which to me is just a whole level of trifling because I'm like, DC needs to work on that. I should not be able to Sorry, find brunch places. Um, yeah. So just, uh, just a resource, uh, firstnations.org. Um, we'll give you newsletters and events and streams from across the nation. So yeah. if you, no matter where you are, you can um, find a summit for peace talks. You can find a summit that talks about education, um, nice. re-education and talking primarily about historical truths, because that's been mm-hmm. um, the largest battle here. How like the, even the fact that it's called Col- Christopher Columbus Day that you would celebrate the mass genocide um, and tie yeah. that in with like discovery and like advancements uh, is boggling, right? And I feel like a lot of people wouldn't <laughs> yeah. wouldn't even consider having like the barbecues and all those like they would be doing some real work uh, had they had the yeah. like basis and education and the framework of the reality of what this day like really means for this nation, for this mm-hmm. country, um, and the resources that you have to help. Um, I've been privileged in the fact that, you know, my grandfather was a state park ranger oh, and awesome. he was white. He was a white man. 
Um, but I was a junior park ranger. <laughs> dedicated, you know, he dedicated his life to serving underserved communities. Um, he worked the missions. Um, he lived on reservations. My my mother and my aunts, you know, they lived on reservations, and it's like when you decide to be an actual ally. And his allyship with indigenous peoples came literally from recognizing the fact that human beings are all having a shared experience on this earth, this literal earth that we need earth to live. We need fresh water, we need clean air, and he's coming from a space of being open, accepting, and willing to learn from these communities Mm -hmm. because he recognizes like what is um, real. Capitalism does not always venerate the things that are rooted in human actual needs versus wants and desires. Money is great for wants and desires, not so great when it comes down to the basic needs that you have. Um, And, and that that's just what it is. It's like, so he knows that these are the communities that actually keep people alive, especially in America where we haven't figured out (laughs) Um, quite so so much how to actually operate um, our nation without resorting um, to slavery. Uh, We can say slavery is ended here uh, in America, but the reality is no, no, it's not. Mm -mm. We still have communities of people that we don't pay for their labor, or we take extreme advantage of their situations use them, send them back to wherever they came from when we're done using them, right? Because it's convenient. You especially have um, around here, this is, we're in California, the Salad Bowl Agricultural Center, as well as technological centers, right? Um, And you will pay Boku money for these organizers and these managers to gather people and to have them do the work and then yeah. they'll literally turn around and call ICE and have them take away that work labor and be like, oh, oh no, yeah. that's terrible. Who knew? I was like, oh, so this wasn't planned now that you're supposed to pay these people because the product is done or the produce has been exactly. collected and you've made your money. This wasn't, this wasn't the plan all along for you to not pay for these people. Um, How so just, just atrocious. What and then the mean? fact that we still support businesses that um, hire labor outside of the states and to pay workers pennies on the dollars to create things, right? We have this idea that, oh, in America, we don't have labor. We work and function off of ideas. Nothing is really like made in America so much anymore. And we profit more on the ideas that you have. What idea do you have for an app or what idea do you have for some other money-making thing? Mm -hmm. Um, and so just like being able to shift those values, I think is something that is kind of like brought to the forefront with this conversation of Christopher Columbus day, indigenous people's day, where do your values literally lie? Mm -hmm. What do you find acceptable? Um, how do you want your nation to move forward? But also it's like centuries and centuries and centuries of like knowledge history, uh, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, Just like ownership and preservation and culture versus like a couple hundred years of 
someone trying to come along and take credit for the work. Like, what do you actually want to venerate? And how do you want to move forward? Which one do you think is actually uh, working to benefit you in uh, your personal life and survival? Your survival. We're all trying to thrive here. Your survival. Do you think think that, I mean, I feel like um, with, with the next generation, do you think they'll grow up without sort of acknowledging that? Because I feel like my son doesn't even know that, that it's a day for Columbus Day. Like he only knows Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, and that's, you know, because he observes it for school. And there usually is some part of the curriculum around. Um, so last year he learned about, uh, well, mostly I feel like all the colonies and, and the origin of the U.S. And so Right. But a lot of that is then where you get your most education, I feel like, and it's very slanted in a way around how the colonies were formed and that it was this sort of, uh, you know, what the, the, the clash of things is the trail of tears. You get a lot of conversation about that in preparation, I feel like, in that curriculum. But I wonder if like for the future, if maybe will, will Columbus Day just become a thing where like no one acknowledges it anymore? I, there are some, still some places I feel like in the South where they're like, they don't have an Indigenous Peoples Day. They only celebrate Columbus Day. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? You know, the anglicizing holidays is out. Is that so, it's so passe. I mean, we can say it's so passe all we like, but it all, we have observed that it takes time to um, drag people into modern day morals um, as to like what is now uh, being socially accepted in society. Um, I think in terms of education that we will start seeing things like Manifest Destiny, things like talking about um, colonization and slavery and Indigenous peoples. I think the conversation for those things will be um, transitioned into teaching them as white history. Like the, mm. this, this is the history of white people. This violence in this nation is the history of white people coming to this nation. And my hope is that in the future, Indigenous Peoples Day and Juneteenth will really be about um, celebrating the accomplishments, the history, the cultural um, like richness that we bring, uh, the actual ideas and ideals that. Um, that these different peoples and these different tribal nations like will will bring to the forefront. And I think that is a shift that is happening, but it's like change is slow. Change happens in different varying rates in in states. Uh, We've seen that we, anytime that you step forward, there's always Mm -hmm. resistance, right? And we're seeing, we're seeing it now with, the types of legislature that's being passed. So Texas had passed their atrocious laws on abortion, right? And I feel like in rebuttal, California mm-hmm. then passed a bunch of laws where it was pretty much like, we're anti-Texas. Come here, we will um, provide Listen, support. They are and going money. on. They are, they are, Governor Newsom like has Oh, like, Governor Newsom. <laughs> Governor Newsom is on one right now. Like, <laughs> Governor Newsom is like, look, I'm, my I feel, is Wayne Brady going to have to snatch, uh, like, snatch you, okay, with laws? It's just like, look, 
We we're not celebrating hate. We're not celebrating drama. <laughs> we're not we're not putting forth anything with 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 a triflingness in it. Like Governor Newsom is removing all triflingness that may have been holdovers from from past days. And it's like, look, it's the Governor Newsom, right? <laughs> yeah, he was just like, look, I recognize. And the fucked up exactly and it's not just people's hurt feelings it's legislature Legis- okay? i love that the the laws of palooza whatever they call it laws of palooza we are having laws a of palooza just dropping them dropping them dropping them protect like you know things that are important to products for women products for i was like I was, people with uteruses <laughs> people who menstruate <laughs> Yes. When when were right. we gonna? I need I need for the that tax, energy for people to be understand. every every legislature around the country to see what Governor Newsom is doing and then be able to say, you know what? Yes. Why don't schools have menstrual free menstrual products? Uh uh-uh. uh. So this is a problem that I didn't even know. You see what I'm saying? Kylie existed until there was a policy to govern it. And it's to your point about like when there's no legislation around it. It's even if the conversation is there, what are we really doing about it? And that's what I need. I need legislation to protect that, to be like, yes, we should be, why why is there, why am I just hearing that there's not free menstrual products in schools? I didn't know, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) They're like, no child left behind unless she's bleeding. Exactly, exactly. Fuck that that kid. (laughs) Exactly, I, I love that. I'm like, listen, and the fact that like, parents are able to join their adult children's health insurance plan. I love that too, because there's so many first generation, you know, uh, students and they may have health insurance, but their their parents don't. Um, And that has been a, you know, that's been an ugly secret that people haven't talked about a lot of the times, which is like, that's who that's affecting. Um, And there's also like some of these reworking for these laws makes it I, I talk about marriage a lot, just like in my personal life with my friends, mm-hmm. what what marriage means in this like country and yeah. why I just, I don't fuck with it. I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah. no, thank you. Um, so yeah. it's just like, you are like literally uh, like either making people stay in marriages because they can't get like the support and the actual like health insurance or all these things like without it or that yes. like that, that you benefit um like pushing this like nuclear family but yes. like the benefits are not that the same is. with like gay marriage i'm just like okay what or that like you or domestic feel, like, the benefits yeah. should be different with like a domestic partnership mm-hmm. um yes and just like the idea of control and the idea of manipulation and the idea of freedom the like People talk about freedom all the time here in the United States. They have the Pledge of Allegiance and you're taught from a very young age with like the Statue of Liberty, this idea. You have the freedom to pursue happiness and you have the freedom to live life the way you want to, right? But the unspoken completion of that sentence is like, if you're a wealthy white man, right? And we're trying to get rid of the unspoken portion of that sentence. And with doing away with that also means that like, you need to be able to empower women to support themselves without a partner. 
man, woman, otherwise. Every individual here should be able to support themselves and pursue their dreams without a partner. Amen. Now we all need each other in a community. We all need each other in this community, whatever community you belong to. But on a personal level, my personal safety and well-being financial Mm -hmm. should not be dependent upon whether or not I am wifey material, whether or not I have a partner, whether or not I'm connected to a man, a woman, they, them, whoever. Yes. My ability to get a loan should not be dependent upon whether or not I have a partner, whether or not I have a man, all of that. I have... Amen. Wait, that that is my soapbox. <laughs> that is all I'm gonna I, put up. The hill that I will die upon. That yes. one. That one I right there. That. <laughs> that is it. Because yes, I just say no more. I'm just putting a stamp, a pin in that to go. Yes, when that needs to be ASAP. Like a valuing of people's individuality and their their singledom. It doesn't always be. You know, there's a constant. Uh, justification of why, like you said, coupledom is important. And that leads to why things don't last. Because if I'm coupling just so I can afford to survive, (laughs) you know what I mean? I'm sorry. The idea of a startup wife, has nobody heard of this concept? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? What? Or a startup husband? Has nobody heard of this concept? Nobody wants to talk about what that means for our communities. And they always want to talk about all the rates of divorce. And they're like, what's wrong with today's women? Or like, what's wrong with today's men? And like, it becomes that that, conversation. Even even Bezos and I mean, with with Bill Gates, I feel like, and Melinda Gates, that should be a a public acknowledgement of that. This don't work. You know what I mean? Like people coupling for the sake of keeping children together or, you know, family, uh, like you said, this nuclear family myth or whatever it is, um, it just don't work. It's we have to normalize that um, we are able to be. But the, the startup wife was Bill G- was Melinda Gates, a startup wife. I mean, in, in some ways, you know, and Certainly when she, because she aired it out after, like, listen, this is what I've been enduring for 25 years. I've been going through this. I have, you know, while y'all see this person as a Messiah figure for real, this is what's happening in our real life. And there's work that happens in relationships, right? And then, so it's like, then people want to be like, oh, well, you know, I hate this line too. It's like, it's cheaper to Mm -hmm. keep her. Yeah. But it's just like, you don't value emotional work. You don't value like homekeeping. And then you want to gender these things. You want to gender the emotional work that happens within a relationship where that is just not the reality. Every single one of us are individuals and you should have the freedom to create the type of life and to create the type of business that you want to create as long as what you're creating isn't hurting the person next door is not hurting anybody, right? It doesn't hurt for me if I decide that, okay, like my ideal setup for how my like happiness will be and how like I, I can secure whatever my goals are would be to have three partners and we all say, we all study something else, but we come together and then we create a business <laughs> and then we do, you know what I mean? You should have yeah. the freedom to do that. Yeah. The fact that you can buy property, own land, but also not take yourself off the grid mm-hmm. without um, like facing so many hoops to jump through. 
Like I cannot just right now, now that I have bought this home, I cannot just be like, okay, I'm going to have solar and I'm going to have my own sewage and I'm going to like disconnect myself from this, that, the other, like there's so many hoops to jump through and like, I guarantee you, it just would not happen. It's just like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> oh, no, no, you I'm cannot. Not. Yeah. I no, have a no, ma'am. You're going to have to pay all the new taxes. Yeah, yeah, it's very difficult. It's very, um, and I mean, she's building a house on, a, on the side of a mountain. She doesn't even get rainwater. She can't even do a collection of rainwater. She still, she wanted to try to be fully gridless, but there are some things for sewage. She has to like have a, you know, a provision from the municipal government to give that to her. And she's just like, you know what, even when you want to live off the grid and you want to, in all best ways, and the here's the thing: want to find some way to in, like impede that process. That they, yeah, they're gonna get their money. <laughs> and people don't realize, like, oh yes, by all means, go be gangsta boo boo and build it yourself. But at any point in time, mm-hmm. they come out there and say, "Oh, I see you've been trying to dodge <laughs> these exorbitant fees." Well, guess what? Now it's jail time, or now I'm just ripping it all down, and you're just gonna have to start from scratch. It doesn't matter. Exactly. that you own this land it does not matter and so this land is freedoms, my land this land is your land <laughs> no, this land is my land your land is my land yeah. your land is my land exactly. i'm taxing my land <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> no. change all the lyrics to what they really mean um <laughs> so uh yeah like what a great conversation how we traveled <laughs> we done traveled and traveled and traveled um but that's just some of the things that have been on my mind lately. Yeah. Steeped, steeped is the, this reality that you don't have the actual freedoms that you think you do in the United States. You don't. No. You don't. And before you want to start comparing the United States to other places um, in terms of like violence and like recognize the fact that for the past 10 some odd years, we've been at war but we just don't really talk about it. We don't really cover it as much. And no, not just war in the Middle East. We're in so many other places. Our fingers are in all the pots, but we don't talk about it. We don't talk about the fact that we can fund for like these exorbitant fees for the military and our education is shit. Um, We don't talk about the fact that we have a bipartisan voting system in the United States where both parties are like, on doing the same bullshit they on the same bullshit it is time like why we're all individuals here in the united states why would we even need to have parties at this point you don't you support individuals right because yeah. now the party is for the fundraising and for the money laundering we don't fucking need that shit anymore like we no. really don't um yeah. so back to dave Chappelle in the hot seat once again I- I think he did a good job. I think it was needed. Um, we are having the conversations. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. Here we are doing the things, having the conversations. It's fuck a Columbus conversation. Day. Yes. It's a conversation. Absolutely fuck Columbus Day. Mm-mm-mm. I'm so That's happy true. that I work in a place where <laughs> I can literally just walk into my job and just be like, fuck that guy. Fuck him. That guy. Fuck him. Fuck that guy. Um, but again, firstnations.org, beautiful, beautiful like hub center. If you're someplace that doesn't have a lot of exposure to indigenous peoples, 
California does. We have things out the wazoo. We have speakers and events and marches and yeah I went to this site actually while we were talking I've been looking at it and tons of I mean it 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 gets in into some like really really un like off the beaten path stuff that you may not even know like there was a a tour builder and I said there's not a lot in DC that DC is doing so you can actually build a tour um to showcase some of the uh historical sites and properties yeah within the nation's capital. Um, so all of that information I got on there. And um, also some of those museums I talked about that are particularly places that are curating um, expen- uh, experiences um, that show na- native nations, or um, if there are uh, programming that they're having tomorrow might even be like a mural. So there's like, like I said, properties that are have artwork that they might be showcasing or depicting social and ceremonial aspects of, of life. Like there's all kinds of things happening tomorrow. So um, this site is great. Thanks Kylie for recommending it for me too. So I, I needed yeah. this. You are absolutely welcome. Um, so like rolling right along into our next topic, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yes. Huzzah. As people with uh, breasts. Um, I think it's important for us to talk about it. Yes. Let's talk about boobies. The good, the bad, the ugly, the pleasurable, all that. Yes. Um, I wanted to just, since we are in like such a heavy topic mode before, just continue. We'll get all of our heavy topics like out of the way. <laughs> um, cancer is a scary word. Yes. Right. Uh, yeah, and anytime you're dealing with populations. Yeah. Um, it's scary. We don't want to go to doctors. Uh, no. And it's especially scary because our communities are disproportionately affected again. Exactly. Um, not only do we suffer from like some of the worst, like statistically speaking, um, like percentages of having breast cancer, but we are also, mm-hmm. it's more likely for us to have a specific time, uh, a specific kind. I think it's like the triple negative. It's like the most fast acting, most like flying yeah. under the radar and like the most yes. like least detectable. And so yep. if you are not actively going and getting your screenings done, it's very difficult to catch this in time. Yeah. By the time that you're having symptoms to the point where you're going to your physician, it may be already too late for you. Um, And I I won't, uh, like we have the highest mortality rates uh, for breast cancer. And a lot of of reasons why we suffer so disproportionately, um, A, aversions to medical field, access, actual access to medical care. Um, But some of the things that we don't think about is just cultural. What are the things that are prevalent culturally for us that we are just not thinking about contributing in this way? Um, To me, or at least like in some of this research, what I found were things like hair relaxers, skin lighteners, acrylic nails. Oh, that are, that are um, products to watch out for? Products. Like I was just like, I didn't realize like, there's so many things that are kind of like BIPOC specific 
um, hair I know hair I relaxers. heard recently about the Brazilian blowout, and I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I <laughs> again, right. I, I <laughs> listen. I will go to get a blowout. It is a it is a point of self self care for me. But I now that I know that. Um, it makes me definitely reflect on like how many women I see in there um, getting this blowout and acrylic nails there. I mean, I, it is one of the things that I also consider that a, a part of self-care, almost like I consider it to be a part of my hygiene prior to um, the, the pandemic. And I have not done it for two years, but um, not even, you know, and I had a, I have a best friend who, um, we, we had a friend break up, but she was diagnosed with breast cancer, stage four breast cancer when we were probably about 23, 24 years old. And, um, you know, that age had not even had a history of any of those things long enough, right. To kind of have that experience. But again, Kylie, it's the other stuff that you talked about, about like, when you go to the doctor, um, how much you trust your physician and like the political structure that happen that occurs in hospital spaces and stuff where you like you go there and you're feeling something and they're like oh you're just not believable you're you're not in pain that's nothing you know you're you'll be fine um and being you have to almost be extremely vigilant to get treatment when you feel like something's wrong with your body when you're a black woman yeah that's you know uh black black people overall um I feel like that is just a thing. And I'm sure that has to be the experience for a lot of BIPOC communities where you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, you go to the hospital, I can't imagine as an Asian woman. And what that experience is like, because, you know, they're, they're not typically uh, going to go to doctors who don't look like them. We have to make sure that we are also going to doctors who look like us and are willing to sort of prioritize our, our experience. Right. And then like, so here's the other thing too. It's like, we go to doctors who look like us, um, but we have to acknowledge and experience that doctors who look like us have also gone through a, the same system as we have. And mm-hmm. so if we are doing all of the things, the hair relaxing, the skin lighteners, the nails, because it's part of what yep. we feel is now the required of us to be professional, required of us to be taken seriously, the pressure yeah. in medical fields mm-hmm. um, for individuals who look like us is even higher. Um, so they may be dealing, they are dealing with all of the same stigmas that we are. Um, so you, unfortunately, I've seen this um, happen time and time again, where you get burnout, so burnt out that you are just mm-hmm checking the boxes and doing whatever you can to also survive this um, system that you're in yeah. while yeah. still remaining employed and getting paid. And it's like, now you also have this double-sided factor of you're burnt out. You have struggled. You have done so much work to accomplish what you have um, that it's then difficult for you to turn around and see someone else coming in and feel like, you should hold more space for them to be like, Oh, I made it. Why can't you? And again, it's just like this downfall of like biases that we have. Right. And recognizing like, Oh, we're all going through like such traumatic spaces. We're all doing it. We're all having this experience. And it's just like, 
recognize and be like, hey, those things that happened to you were not okay. So let's not perpetuate them. Um, Let's also have this education of like things that are considered luxuries that are in our mind, right? Um, Like organic food. I've heard so many people talk about organic food as if it's like a white person's luxury. And I'm just like, nah, bro, like that's just real. Like we all need real food. Um, We all deserve hair products and facial products that don't have chemicals that will burn our skin. Um, Staying away from products that have mercury, phthalates, um, like sodium hydroxide, like all of these things. And they're like considering these nicer products, like products like, oh, like Paul Mitchell lines and things like that, where they're like, oh, they're luxury because they don't have these things. And I was like, no, our basic things should not have things that will cause birth defects, cancers, miscarriages, exactly. breathing difficulties. They, they just shouldn't have these chemicals to begin with. It's not a luxury it's not for a lu- us a, not to a, consume poison. And that's literally what it is. It's like, yeah. it's poisons, right? And it's poisons to adapt beauty standards that are Eurocentric so that mm-hmm. we can be perceived as living a life of luxury or classist ideals that are passed down. Right. And it's just like, you guys don't understand. You are literally killing yourselves to be compared to a standard that will never accept you. I will admit there's, there's that point where I get to, even my my mother will say this. My mother made notice of it. She said to me, this was just like last week. I had a series of interviews, no kind of interviewing, looking for, looking for stuff. My mom said, I noticed that when you interview, you go get a blowout. Like they know it's a pandemic and, and, <laughs> and you got your hair, you got to go get your hair done. And I'm thinking, and, and, but my mom said, but that's weird because you could also just go get it done. You can go get your curls perfected. You are choosing to go present yourself in the interview with what you're not going to be showing up with. And then this is where you start the cycle. Start getting them right now. Start start when you are initiating this, this uh, you know, she's like, it's a date. So would you go on a date and if you straighten your hair and then the next time the guy sees you and your hair is natural, he's going to be like, okay, you have these natural curls. I might not be into that. I might only be into girls who have straight hair. Now, is that a realistic thing for a guy to say? Maybe not. But for a company, they might be looking at you like, <gasps> you did something different with yourself. You know what I mean? And my mom was like, you need to stop doing that. If you feel, if you feel like you have to go, go get a blowout to go on an interview, that's not the job for you because you're already setting yourself up for failure. What do you apply under that job for that? You feel like you need to go blow out, um, you know, save the Dominicans getting your money today. (laughs) <laughs> and that and my mom and that's such a good point because I'm like you know where you pass down but the the reason why I'm bringing that up is because also that that behavior somebody has checked me on it but my mom will also say to me about the products and that's something that's interesting because she's always goes to like the dermatologist to get her products and she'll tell me why are you using drugstore lotion why are you using swath like we, you can go to the dermatologist and get a cream for that, that, that does not have, what are the ingredients in that, that you, you know, what are the <laughs> ingredients? I promise you these large companies don't care. It's yeah. harder to like source. And this is where they get the thing, right? We're like, it's harder to source quality products. Right. And that's what yeah. makes them organic. And that's why we charge more. And it's like, no, no, Everything came organic before you guys just started fucking shit up for profit in there. Yeah. (laughs) For profit. So how about you just don't put the poison in? Don't 
don't exactly. put the mercury in there. Like how about, how about that? Um, make smaller quantities. Stop trying to like make everything Costco side. And also we know formaldehyde is not good. We've known now for many, many, for many decades, yes. for many years from, they don't even use formaldehyde in preserving dead bodies anymore. Like, no, no. So a product that we've stopped using to preserve corpses is still in your makeup and still yes. in your hair products and yes. still in your nail polish and like all of these other things. Yeah. And you, and, and that's another thing is being able to, I'm glad you talked about like when something is not, when you're, when you recognize that product, because another thing that winds up happening, I mean, my mom will often tell again, I think about the time of that, tell her it's such a nuisance to have to go to the, to the dermatologist or other things. My mom goes to get hair gel from the dermatologist. She goes and gets edge tamer from the dermatologist <laughs> and, they'll, and, they, and they sell the same edge tamer at moms. And she's like, Oh, this is a, just an over the counter product that you can get at moms, um, my organic market. But it's just like, are you serious? You know, who thought? Because I, I don't even go into the hair section at my organic market, but my mother does. And so those things I learned from, I'm like, you know what? But my mom has, a, you know, doesn't get sick. She doesn't have issues. She barely has a breakout when I'm like, I'm still having this issue. She's like, I told you, go and get that, go get cream strong. Don't wear lotion. What is that moisture? I don't trust the sunscreen that, that, that you know, Estee Lauder. I'm not wearing that. I'll wear you know what, Doctor Mazik's? <laughs> why? Why is your toilet paper scented? Exactly that kind of stuff. Like what? The yeah. The again, you talk about who the, is, like, yeah. Now, why is scented toilet paper? Now you can mm -hmm. get that cheap at the dollar store, and yeah. then you have organic toilet paper. Yeah. Why did free you die? Free of scents. Free of blah yeah. blah blah. I'm just like utilize, it should always already be free of these things. Yeah, uh, the deodorants that we now know, the aluminum and, and that, and like, and still to, you know, I still am like, it was very hard for me with my son trying to find deodorant for him because I'm like, listen, he's a growing boy and, you know, these natural deodorants, they were not an option for him. It just was like, I try, but I did try to keep I kept him out. You tried the rosemary, it wasn't working. Okay. No, we tried a lot of different things, but what, what I realized, yeah, is that also limiting exposure, you know what I mean? So it's like, how long were we able to keep him out of wearing a, a Mitchum? You know what I mean? Like, and he's, he's 11 now it's a little bit, you know, better, but it's like, if I could have kept him until 16, <laughs> I would have done it. Yeah. And then again, it's like, Health is wealth. It comes from the inside. So much of it comes with what you eat, how, what yes. you consume. Your skin is the largest organ on your body. People don't really think about that. So it's like when you, whatever you're putting on your skin, the absorption and the interaction with your inside health and well-being um, right. is still there. Nothing is ever just skin deep. The idea that something would just be surface level for your health is like, it's ridiculous. The things that you're putting on your skin affect your heart. They affect your brain, they affect everything, right? right. So um, just being a little more conscientious about what you're using, please find local black businesses that you can support. There's so many that are, are doing like farm to table work um, and even just like growing their own fruits and veggies and making their own organic masks, hair masks. I'm seeing so many more like 
community gardens pop up and like plant communities pop up and like discussing holistic medicine discussing what it really means to like eat food for your health and what that means for you down the line in terms of quality of life um a lot of Mm -hmm. these like diseases that people have and um that they like delegate to like oh well this is like a black disease and like well no it's not necessarily a black disease what it is is it's poverty exactly Exactly. it's not a black disease it is the it's it's the lack of access to nutrients the lack of access access. i saw it's um even when i'm sorry and not cut you off but i saw an article uh, this was a few years ago, but it was about a fishing community, a fishing indigenous uh, community um, that was somehow the waterway was either, it was either contaminated or um, it was somehow like the, the waterway became less effective for fishing. And this population slowly but surely all developed diabetes and it became passed down through the through the line and it, it it's now long enough for them to study that to see that how genetic diseases right are made that through through this lack of access to fresh fish now uh, folks were eating you know prepared and and uh, uh, uh canned foods and a lot of the things that they weren't eating that are full of sugar sugar and salt and processed stuff they weren't getting their fish they were eating now fish that wasn't fresh and now diabetes is a is an issue and a trait in this in this uh indigenous i think that tribe that community there there was a power plant there was like a nuclear power plant that had been opened yeah and their their sludge (laughs) their yuck their ickness um had seeps into the waterways because everything leads to the ocean thank you finding nemo um everything so if you have a community there that they're literally um, a floating community. Yeah. You know, their homes were built on rafts. They're spending just as much, actually more time out at sea and more time out in water than they were on land. And they were having to come to land for more and more of their um, food and nutrients because yeah. they weren't able to get all the algae. They weren't able to get fish. They weren't able to get all of these other things. And we are seeing what happens when you are li- like, and we can see it in a bubble because mm-hmm. we are in a weird state now where we think that scientists for some reason are just dedicating their lives and trying to spread this information for no reason. And that politicians should have more clout and credence to their opinions than actual science. Um, and so this is like something where you could be like, Oh, in a few generations, which is like, less than a hundred years, we can see the impact that environmental change has on peoples. Um, And we don't get to say, oh, well, it's just because this community is lazy because this community is extremely Uh, fit. Like all of the um, reasons or excuses and deflections that we hear in arguments when they pertain to BIPOC communities of like, oh, well, they just don't know any better. Like, oh, they're eating all that. So I, I have a, an, relationship with talking about soul food um and equating like soul food with like slave food and like how some of these cultural things that we keep like why are we celebrating and keeping this in our culture when this is not originally ours this did not come from our base and our roots like if you want to talk about some like real 
black dishes. Wow, that's interesting. Let's get some real black dishes and not just what we actually like use to survive and cope through this abuse and trauma and literal yeah. like poison that we had access to. Let's stop creating ties to black culture with those things that are foods that are literally just killing us. Right. right. Um, so yeah. when you have a community like the fishing community where it's like they are extremely active they're building their own things. They're, they, a lot of, you know, like, oh, well, black people should have their own black things. Well, like, well, you're in an area where it's like, oh, they've created their own things, their own economy. They are living in a self-sustained bubble. Mm-hmm. So the influences that are negatively impacting them are solely outside of their power. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. And so you cannot blame them for the conditions that they are now suffering under. And yeah. that's a real strong message that we need to take and adapt to everyone, um, especially when it comes to things like uh, climate change. All right. Mm-hmm. Stop saying that, oh, one community is suffering more because they just don't know how to control their pollutants or they it's just like an isolated case when clearly it's not. Like Exactly. <laughs> clearly it is not. Um, so... Cancer, scary, heavier topic. It doesn't have to be. We do have control to a certain extent mm-hmm. over some of the choices that we can make. Like I said, there are things that happen to us that are, are out of our control, but there are things that we can reclaim um, and sources and resources that we can create for ourselves. Like if you have space for houseplants even, growing your own aloe vera, um, having plants that will help purify your air um, mm-hmm. in your home. is like, it's just been proven that like living in a space that has living plants in it is going to be better for you. Um, mm-hmm. if, even in terms of just like keeping you happy um, and you know, give you, giving you someone to like talk to your plants, sing your plants and like use these plants in your everyday self-care now like oh you love doing face masks great make your own out of the things that you grow like it also means a little more and you'll have more connection to it and you can also place intent into the products that you're using which i think a lot of people don't understand how much power comes from intention and manifestation they think it's just all like woo-woo stuff but there's been scientific studies that have shown um like what happens if you give positive reinforcement to a plant and what happens when you give negative reinforcement to a plant? So the intentions and the mental energy and the space that you give to something does matter. Intentionally creating a face mask for yourself, I imagine would probably have even better results than something where you're like, oh, I can read that it has this, this, and this in it. And you're like, yeah, that big fancy word salicylic acid and this big (laughs) fancy other things like, squeeze some lemon into your avocado face mask that has some aloe. Like all of these things come from nature originally. Yes. You process them, isolate you can do them. That. Yes. But you can, can find them all. Egg, egg nature provides. <laughs> yes. egg if you're, if like, you're vegan, you can find a product like the if you the aloe vera will do it. If you're not, you can get some some you can get a lot of different things. Like you said, the avocado. Oh, I remember the, my brother uh, used lemon. to have crazy pimples and it would always be the like the um they would take the skin from the inside of the eggs and lay them on and yeah, it would like dry it out. Exactly. Like, it was like face yeah. mask, sheet mask, peels right off. Like yeah. that's. And I use like, I will take lemon peels. And that's when I have discoloration, lemon peel. 
that citrus. <laughs> this idea that we we are now um, like slowly and systematically being put in situations that where we can't even access the free things that nature has for us to survive. Yes. And that's yes. where I have a, a problem um, with how this nation functions um, mm-hmm. because that should never be the case. Like I said, I, I don't, it's not that I don't believe that money should ever exist. Um, I do believe that there's value in money, but I think money should be um, able to be used for things that are wants and not things that are needs. We yes. shouldn't have a, like such a lack of access to things that naturally occur. Energy comes from the sun, the wind. We have the ocean. We can utilize energy from that. Like there's so many resources that we have as human beings. We made it before we decided to build houses. We were making mm-hmm. it and, and surviving and still thriving before we decided to have all of these constructs that are literally just designed to turn us into commodities and like not happy living healthy beings um so yeah. speaking as i'm like happy living healthy beings let's talk pleasure baby let's what's the pleasures um nipple play something that you've experienced something that you are like open to excited about something i'm definitely open to um i have not uh i'm not gonna say i have not i have um but I definitely be, I'll say this, being single and not dating. And I haven't, I haven't during the pandemic at all. So it's been a little tough. <laughs> um, self-pleasure, however, is important to me. So yes, I was like, let's talk about self-pleasure. <laughs> like, is this is <laughs> that is something that's important to me. And so nipple play. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there, there is a level of of getting intimate with your body in a way that like knowing what feels good. And a lot of the times it's not where we immediately go to focus on our our pleasure. Right. It's sort of like, you know, I feel like at least on my behalf, like you want to, I want to get the the party going faster. And so it's not the immediate place I go, but I'm definitely into, um, I'm into nipple play. And I feel like it is something that we need to, as women find uh, those moments where we can like, tease and 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 have that with ourselves um where i feel like i don't as much that's interesting so um i was reading like just a few different articles about erogenous zones right so these are zones that we don't normally think of as like being sexual and i feel like nipples kind of come into play here just depending also like culturally where you're at um, because you were like, mm-hmm. as women, it's important. I was like, well, men have nipples too, and we men have, still too, have yeah. the same innervation. Yeah. So it's like this nerve center um, for our brains that will accept mm-hmm. pleasure from our genitals, because this is like a human experience. We are, all have like this central nervous system that's set up this way. Um, when it comes to sex, yeah, things may progress differently in terms of like stages of arousal um, yeah. in men and, and versus women, but everybody is on a spectrum, right? So I really love, I love this idea of an erogenous zone where it is like in its neutral stage and it's like mm-hmm. you may brush up somebody like up against a nipple and it's like does nothing, but then you put your mind and body like easing it into this state of arousal and all of a sudden like 
this erogenous zone, someplace that really would not have been a ooh yum place is now like <gasps> nerves are being brought to the forefront. Like your mind and brain is making connections and comparison and tying things together to where now it's like, you may feel like referred pleasure from your nipples mm-hmm. to your genitals or like, oh, like, hey, now what was like a slow buildup has now all of a sudden come to like an explosion, explosive orgasm. And I've yeah. been reading articles about people who are able to have orgasms from nipple play, who are able to have orgasms from just like licking in whispering in ears and, and like doing all of these like fun things that don't necessarily require like active penetration or another that. partner. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, ooh, ooh, ooh. that is something um, that that I feel like I need to explore more. I'm the person that winds up usually saying I don't like foreplay, which is mm-hmm. not the proper proper statement. It's not that I don't l- enjoy it. It's oftentimes that I don't like the experience. Like I feel like the experience, unless it's really someone who intimately, intimately knows me for a very long time, I don't like to um, explore it kind of like with someone new. And, and, and that's hard because it's like, you know, how, how else do you learn? <laughs> you know, so we'll see it right. Cause learn? yeah. Yeah. There's a thing of like, Oh, like I don't want to be touched unless you're going to touch me. Right. Yes, but then how yes. do you discover what that like right what that is exactly unless you explore because everybody's like, different and everybody every single person is different yeah and i feel like that is something that i've gotten i mean and you're 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 a, you're a pro with this because you know when you you know every massage therapist i feel like somebody says like you've got the hands that's it. You know, you touch me and I feel immediately better. And then someone else can do the same thing you did, but their hands are just not, it's just not the right touch. And so that is another thing I have to feel like, I feel like I have to learn the customization of like, well, wait a second, this person, when they touch you, however, might be a fully different experience, even for myself touching me. Cause what, what pleasures me when I touch myself may not be like, maybe I'd be willing to go out on a limb to explore that. It's like, that doesn't feel good when I do it, but let's see, you know? So yeah. Also in terms of like quality of touch, preparation, stages of arousal, what may mm-hmm. not have felt great at the beginning of a makeout session may feel fucking yes. phenomenal at the end of it. Um, yes. What may not have felt great, like before things were starting to get hot and heavy, before uh, tissues become engorging and fluids become released. Yes. Um, like at, maybe at the beginning you were like, oh, my nipples are like tender and sensitive. And I don't really like when you touch them to the very end being like, please bite them. Now it feels right. good. You have yeah. to prepare the body to move through those stages. Prepare you can't just, the body. Like, start yes. off biting. That no. is it. I'm going to use that phrase because I'm, I'm like, I didn't know what the wording is, but now I like that. Prepare the body. Okay. Prepare the body. And I think a lot of this, I, I was talking that. about um, like sensitivity of touch and comparing uh, men and women um, in terms of how they approach a body. Um, yeah. And I feel men are taught at the very young age to not sexualize their touch, to not feminize their touch, to yeah. not soften their touch. So when they go in for a grab or a touch, their sensitivity of touch may not be there. Like they may yeah. start out for you at a pressure that is like bruising. And in yeah. their minds, it's they're not aware of it because they're, they've just been conditioned to 
automatically like operate at this certain level so that their touch is not considered like soft, feathery, feminine, yes. gay. I, I even um, have to you, remind my son of that sometimes. Like I have to, even as an 11 year old, I remind him sometimes of like- Gentle bro, like way, gentle like, touch. Yeah, I remind him that sometimes, Sean, you, you can- like you are heavy handed when you're touching me or, you know, sometimes he comes over to say, I'm a whisper in your ear and he grabs my head and is, Sean, you are strong. Like you, you got strong, sir. Yeah. Your fingers are operational. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Like you have all the strength. Like and you've so... already got the strength there. So re- get, just give me a little gentle, you know, Tender. you don't have to do that with me. You can just say, I'll whisper in your ear and I don't even have to touch him. Let me just get close to you. <laughs> Gentle touches, learn to be, learn to be, I'll say feathery, you know, and then feathery. oh, I need to be a little less, you know. Yeah. And so even that, like giving a description, like um, one of, I think one of like the best pieces of advice for like quality of touch, especially if you're someone who has maybe uh, issues with um, having your stomach touched, your belly, like maybe like I know as women, I can't even say as women, I can speak from being a woman. I'm sure there are many men out there who experience same issues around body positivity, um, around body fat. But I know um, from my experience, uh, being plus size, (laughs) having fat, having curves, Mm -hmm. um, and then growing up, hearing one thing. And now as an adult, having men tell me the almost like exact opposite of like, no, I really desire your curves. I appreciate your softness. Like I want to touch these things, these areas. Like I love your belly. Um, Like I love the softness in your arms, like your curvature. Like these are the things that I like that I'm seeking out. Um, And. Amen to that. Amen to that. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate all of, all of these men who are now like, I don't know if maybe it's just like a teenage thing of like, you want the to date the woman who is more socially acceptable, mm-hmm. but what feels good to you is something that's entirely different. And so learning that like your body feels good to another person and it should feel good to yeah. yourself too. We internalize all of these things. And so like mm-hmm. having a, a, like a touch exercise with your partner that also kind of lets you work through the anxiety that you may feel in an area so say at the beginning of a makeout session, you may not be comfortable with having your belly touched and like having this exploratory map that you can go through with your partner where you can be like, oh, that's like, a great idea right here, like right here. Yeah. This is like a four or five. And then maybe they move away from it or maybe it's a six I or seven and they move away from it. And then you have lovely kisses and maybe they're touching your knees and then maybe they come back to your stomach and now you're like, okay, it's like a three or four um, yeah. until it's like at a point where now it's like the entire body, the entire, the, the touch and the experience that you're getting throughout your, your entire body is a pleasurable one. And I feel like that's an exercise that like you can carry out throughout your relationship and see, it's also like a nice way of mapping your intimacy and your comfort level with someone where you can get to a point where mm-hmm. no matter where they touch you, it's not setting off alarms. No matter where they touch you, it's not bringing up past traumas or they are aware of these past traumas or there may be some areas that like you never work through, but also that lets them know now you have a 
partner that knows you, who yeah. knows what makes you feel comfortable, what makes you smile and what makes you glow and what will make you shrink and be sad. And nobody yeah. wants that. Right. Yeah. Um, that type of vulnerability, I think is not something that is taught in sex ed, right. No. That kind of communication with your partner. Um, and even like with yourself recognizing like why it feels so uncomfortable for a man to like, or your partner, I won't say a man, like your partner to touch mm-hmm. your, like your fupa. Your love handles, your hips, your yeah. butt, your thighs. I'm your totally calves. so I'm self-conscious about all those things, right? And then I then during the pandemic, of course, that has gotten even more um even more nerve-wracking. <laughs> like than the idea of like, what is it like? And you know, what is this person's experience going to be when they're first experiencing my body? And what do I want that? narrative to look like I don't want it to be like don't touch me in this space and I feel uncomfortable about but at the same time I don't also want there to be like oh she's uncomfortable about this so now you know I feel bad which can also you know just it it can create another type of trauma underlying for that person it's like okay I better not ever say anything this person doesn't like this part of their body I love it but now I feel bad because I love this part of their body you know and it's also like say you don't want to say trauma right? You don't want to bring up trauma. You don't want to say, I'm uncomfortable with you touching this part of my body. Yeah. You can, you can switch your language out. You can talk pressure, right? You can say from a one to 10, oh, this is like feather light pressure or like 10 being like, uh, like don't touch me like that ever again. Like that's terrible. And so it could be like, oh, like the pressure that you're using there in that area, like that's like a seven or 10, like I don't like it. Or like maybe just avoid touching me there, but also I'm talking from a very like able-bodied position. I'm very yeah. flexible. Like I'm pretty active. Um, not everybody has the same ra- literal ranges of motion that I do. So if I'm with a partner and we're going to be having sex, it would also be nice for you to know the capabilities and ranges of my body and to find a way to talk about what I can and cannot do and like find a way for us to connect there you can always find a way where there's a will there's a way but you have to be willing to be vulnerable and you have to be willing to have conversations and just know that everybody's having this human experience like every single person has their own wiring every single person is different Mm -hmm. so yeah go play with them nips discover it on your own yes discover and and do this a lot because i feel like that helps too to get to (laughs) your tissues right Get your blood flow going, like oh, also yeah, like blood flowing. Yeah, I also like um, I have I have a friend who really feels like bras are restricting, and 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 he and he says every time he sees me, why do you know when you're around me? If you want to like deactivate, you can, um, and be in a completely safe space. And I'm forever. You know, it's been, it's weird because Kylie, I realized that he brought up something in my own trauma that I'm like, I think I developed breasts really early at like nine. And because of developing them early, I've always worn a bra. I sleep with one and and it had brought, yeah, it brought up in my head that like, oh my gosh, I have been conditioned to almost like put my breasts in a a rest. And that, but today, you know what I'm saying? Like, but he has, he has rubbed off on me. <laughs> I was like, 
do people not realize women literally carry scars from their bras yeah i have literal scars and like the way that my body has shaped around wearing a bra your your bra and that's why i was like you know what not only the i feel it's almost like emancipating in in many ways like i'm sitting here now and i'm bra like i would never ever do that but then i'm like you know what am i so afraid of What am I like, and that's the thing. It's running. Like, You're afraid of yeah. running and doing push-ups and yes. burpees. And he's like, <laughs> girl, if you're in the house, you know, what is what is your deal? Like, what do you think is going to happen in your house? Especially if it's you in your sleep. Uh-uh. I, and and uh, but that that is something that was definitely brought like it brought to my head that just like, oh my gosh, how restrictive I have been because of that early sort of development and trying to make sure I keep my, you know things in place you know what I mean like how rude and insensitive it is for me to just be free out here (laughs) but also like how funny like I just bras are funny and sizing is funny like to me just in general because I always love when people ask like oh like what size are you yeah what's your bra size and I was like well if you knew anything about bras you would know a like that is such a silly ridiculous question Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's that's such a it's such a silly question because on any given day, I could probably give you uh, several different measurements for several different brands onto yep. what my bra size would be. But it's also yeah. why are you asking? Do you make custom bras? Um, like, do you want my me- <laughs> what do you want my measurements for? Um, and and if you're gonna do that, like, you better be asking me some other qualifiers. Like, oh, are they bell shaped? Oh, like you know what I mean? Like, if we're, I don't if even know to ask thing, that. Yeah, I've re- I realize how funny thing, that is now that people will ask. Man, people have asked me that. I'm yeah. a breast man, baby. What's up? Are you a oh, are I you a double D? Are you a they, and and then I always I'm wonder, a G. Like, what, what are you gonna do with that? What do you yeah, what, what is, reference do you even have for what I am? Like what you gonna do with it? You know, what well, when I give you this magic formula, what are you so going to, you you have a bank of, of like bra sizes that you're going to be like hold on a second. Um this person is a 40 double D or whatever, triple D. Oh, that's nice. That's yeah, that's that's on so par nice. with, you know, this particular type of of okay, my my approach with <laughs> what in the baseball stats is this? Exactly. Home run. I love um, that men collect bra sizes like like baseball stats. It don't work that way, boo. <laughs> It all depends on the field and the turf I'm playing on first. Adorable. <laughs> Just, it makes me laugh. Every, I'm like, ha, ha. <laughs> Silly you. Novices. 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 What? What? <laughs> I feel like it's more accurate to be like, how many handfuls should I expect? <laughs> like, well, if my hands are your hands, we'll make it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Two handfuls if that's what you're asking. Like, are you ready to, to even hear this number? Because when you, what, let me help you, you know? <laughs> What do you really want to know? <laughs> what do you really want to know? Hilarious. Uh, so, I don't know. It just tickles me. Think, things that tickle me pink. Um, yes. 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 Uh, this has been a lovely nerdy and dirty. I enjoy talking nipples with you. I hope yes. you brought up some topics that like maybe you didn't think about before, like perspectives. I loved hearing uh, you talk about your experiences and the yes. fact that you have a friend in LA who understands 
how freaking he's been trying to free me my like personal like freedom fighter over here and i'm and the whole entire time i'm like slowly but surely i've gotten into it and i even the first day i went brawless at work i called him i was like yo guess what free your <laughs> mind and the rest will follow <laughs> seriously seriously yeah. seriously seriously i've had bras like i don't think people understand <laughs> i've had bras snap on me to the point that i've like bled through a shirt like and See, they break saying, constantly had, yes why are you broken out of shirts where people are like Can i've you been mean? in meetings you know I've where i've had to that. like run to the bathroom for that right where you're like maybe somehow i put the like i will do this often i'll put it in my lingerie bag stick it in the dryer even though i'm not supposed to but i will do that for like quick garment wash because sometimes like i don't have time all day to be washing undergarments and i'm like let me just wash, put it in the garment bag stick it in the dryer and like sometimes the underwire is like sticking and you're you know i'm like in the middle of the meeting like trying to you know shuffle trying like, not to die putting tissue putting a piece of like toilet paper i've got a ball up and put it the struggle like, we've all been through that struggle is this worth it? Just take this damn bra off. But that for me was the utmost sign of like, I feared that moment that what if, God forbid, it, it's like almost like, you know, it's, I don't even know. It's like something breaking that you're like, oh my gosh, this broke. You know, I'm- a damn has broke. I care, no care if a nail, a nail or something breaks. It's like, whatever, you know? <laughs> But you will have to go home <laughs> if that bra breaks. I have to go home. That bra, I'm out. I'm out. I gotta go. Have to go. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, hilarious. Okay, so moving along <laughs> from nerdy and dirty to just nerdy, and oh my goodness, what a gem! So I wanted to bring up Ironheart and yeah. Riri Williams. Yeah. Um, and then I also wanted to talk about the comic book Eve, but I wanted to bring up Ironheart and Riri Williams first because um, they share some of the like same connections as, as far as uh, some of the like inkers and writers and colorists, but also yes. the themes of hello, another beautiful example of a strong black lead. Yes. who's a woman who's a or woman. even in this one a child like and who's brilliant and who just and a, and a nerd and i you know that i love that exploration representation seeing us in that space somebody who is a vulnerable character i love i um i got a chance to um do a riri williams verse for this music to marvel to project that i was a part of um at that time, I think this was just maybe when Marvel actually had announced um, Ironheart um, coming into the MCU. And as part of that, you know, we decided to do a song um, about all the different um, Iron Man iterations. Um, and anyway, I played Riri Williams in that. And I just thought like, how awesome for exploration of like, especially in the STEM space, um, we need we need these 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 images of ourselves where right we can i was really like celebrate yeah also she has a, a pet t-rex cool yes and that too like yeah. this element of like fantasy is still there um i think yeah. some people are just like oh i go to comics like escape reality and you guys are always pushing like this 
racial fronts, but I'm just like, no, this is actually just like pure joy, pure fun, pure like exploration and everything that you like love in your comics and things that you want in your superheroes, but it's just a different take. And um, I just love this like trope of like strong, badass science nerd, yeah who's just like still a girl and still blossoming into her like full power mm-hmm. i love it i love to see i it. love that too yeah and, and the um, fact that like there's also like just being able to be like a brainy child like a genius child and you know i feel like there's so much negativity associated with that um <laughs> which is weird for, for young black girls to, you know, it's, it's becomes a burden oftentimes more than it is celebrated um, that you see us as a sexual being or some other thing, you know, it's like, Oh, isn't she a beauty or something like that. And it's like, you know, the heir to Tony Stark, who I feel like is also, there's a level of, um, there's a banner of, of a respect that comes with like this one genius kind of, uh, wealthy, you know, rich genius. Acknowledging you, seeing you and yeah, saying, yeah. hey, this person is valuable. Exactly. Um, I think in our community, um, knowledge and how knowledge gets passed along, mm-hmm. some of those barriers to passing along knowledge is literally whether or not they'll accept that it's coming from you because yeah. you're young and because Absolutely. you're black and because you're a girl. Yeah. I cannot tell you how many times I've been in spaces having conversations and people are literally just like, what do you know? You're younger. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you, what, what do you know? And I'm just like, well, like, this is why I know, this is how I know. Like I'm actually like actively just interested in these areas. And it's like, we, I think we talk, we talk about gatekeeping all the time here, um, yeah. but we don't necessarily talk about like ageism here oh, yeah, in this space. Yeah. And because it's like, we always have this idea of like adults passing along knowledge to children. We're now coming into this era when you talk about um, like morals changing um, and how we like implement those things. It's really like the information is also flowing upwards. And I think it's always been that way. That's how progress happens, right? Yeah. Um, you have information that flows down and then you get people who have been raised um, in like a nurturing informational environment mm-hmm. where you give people the freedom of thought and like, hey, your thoughts matter and your influence matters. And then they can turn around and be like, well, hey, we've noticed and observed some of these problems. Here's some of these solutions that we've come up with and try yeah. to pass them back up along. Um, so I think also just recognizing that we hear it all the time. Children are our future, but we don't give children and young people the agency to actually like formulate futures until they're much older. I think of like Greta giving like speeches and people were just being so floored by her and floored by her speeches and floored by her messages and how that had spurred all of this conversation. But at the end of the day, people Mm -hmm. will still belittle her because she was young. Yeah. because she was a child yeah um so like that's one of these things that is so empowering in this comic is just a young person yes. you know th- she's not grown and it's also nice because she is a young person that her costumes are drawn appropriately yeah she doesn't have like this insane idea like that you would go into a battle with armor that literally is just like a chest plate and a mini skirt and some boots <laughs> exactly and a lasso, like, oh, that's nice. It's shiny. It's cute. 
but like really is your midsection like impervious to bullets like um you're gonna go <laughs> fight in that like oh that seems like maybe not the best and if year it is, to fight it in to be exposed like <laughs> like it's Naruto's like harem jutsu. Like, are we distracted? What's happening? What's what's going on here? Like, who's uh, I'm gonna defeat you with my sexy jutsu? Like, what? Um, what's going on? So, like, just the literal character design of her is like everything that's like happy and delightful and something that I can share with like with my nieces and nephews and not have to talk about issues that maybe belong to their parents to talk to them about because I'm also like I'm I'm a fan of talking and sharing information with children right but I will always respect you as a parent um, yes. and how you want to share and have those conversations around sex around gender with your child so mm-hmm. being able to have a fandom that I can share that doesn't also necessarily have to be so adult freaking great i'm here for it yeah. fantastical let's do that that's mm-hmm. i'm wonderful it's what everything we need you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah wonderful 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 um so comic book eve have you heard about it it's I, relatively I've never new. heard of comic book eve so i know comic book day but i did not know what comic book eve is i will say i looked it up because i thought <laughs> we were going to discuss it but i was like <laughs> Prior to this uh, day, I am this day years old or whatever the statement is. I did not know what comic book it was. So, for, like, what did you see when you like when you looked it up? What were some things that you saw? Like, Ooh, share with I mean, it was it was nothing kind of super exciting. Um, not nothing really super exciting that I would report back on. That I was like, uh. Yeah, just the fact that it's an announcement. Like, I saw announcements. Okay, um, so you didn't actually get to, like, look. So they have, um, like, the first five set of that series is out. Um, and, like, the premise is that she's a young Black gal in, like, a post-apocalyptic world. Some kind of viral thing has happened. She was trapped uh, in ice and, like, went through, like, a virtual reality until it was supposed to be like safe to reemerge from the world again and so it's like there's a few things happening it's like they deal with like the ice caps melting and because the ice caps melted it released like some ancient virus and that's really like what was taking out oh and isn't that isn't that timely isn't that timely um (laughs) and, (laughs) and so it's like it's dealing with like tropes of just like uh environmental change and like also yeah. <laughs> we're in a pandemic and it's like oh this is how the world's gonna end hey pandemic uh so like very like relevant things also yes. it's like a cross of like the walking dead um like illustratively speaking style wise and also like iron oh. um and like the storytelling is also like a cross between those two it's from boom studios um, like I said, they've okay. done like the first five of the yeah. series and, um, it's like sci-fi. It's like a little bit of fantasy. Um, I like the like world ending. How do you survive now oh. that things have fallen apart storylines? Yeah. And so for her to also be a child and like having gone through this virtual reality, because the idea is like, oh, this is what we thought would be happening by the time you woke up. Like, oh, in a 
had things run smoothly, like you would be waking up and things would be all good, but she wakes up and things are not all good. <laughs> things are not exactly. all good. Yeah. Um, and just like uh, how she moves through that. Um, so we have Victor Laval uh, writing. Um, we have uh, Joe Mi Gyeong from Jim Henson's The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance, uh-huh. uh, colorist Brittany Peer. So it's like, if you are a comic person, you'll recognize some of these names from other projects like Walking Dead and other projects like um, Iron Heart. And like the art is beautiful. It's stunning. Like I cannot get Ooh. over just some of the illustrations and just like the technological pieces that they put in there yeah are fun um there's like underwater scenes there's like fire and brimstone she has she goes on like on a search to like find her father so it's like deep origin stories um finding the adults responsible trying to get answers Mm. (laughs) how do you affect change afterwards um all of these things which are great to talk about, but also it's like, hey, this young person is not just waiting around. She is actively going to get the answers that she seeks. And who yeah. doesn't love a go-getter and who a smart doesn't? one at that? Um, so I'm super stoked and excited to see what the rest of that series is going to do, where they're going to go. Yes. Let's, because stay, right let's now, stay tuned on that. I want to like discuss this as we move forward. I, yeah, I was like, I've actually ordered the first five books. I was like, as I get them, I can start like showing off. I want yeah. to start showing off more of my comics. Right now, a lot of my comics that I like physically have, because back in the day, you had Borders and you had Barnes and Nobles, and I would just go to Borders and Barnes and Nobles and read. I worked for Half Price Bookstore, um, so oh, like cool. I would literally <laughs> just like read. I read all like The Walking Dead. I read so many different comics, but they were in the store. So as far as like what I yeah. personally own. I own some Ironhearts and I own all of Buffy, <laughs> all of Firefly, of <laughs> all of like, <laughs> all of like Freya. Um, I own some of the uh, Patricia Briggs, Mercedes Thompson, like Alpha and Omega oh, cool. series. Yeah. Um, she's an indigenous woman who is a mechanic who is also a shapeshifter and she like gets into all these mm-hmm. stories with like werewolves and, and vampires, but also like other um, like indigenous occults, varies yeah. all of these other like types of things and stories that are like so phenomenal to me. So like Patricia Briggs is definitely, if you haven't checked her out, go yeah. check out her work. She's awesome. Hello. Happy Indigenous Day. Fuck Christopher Columbus. Go read about a badass um, indigenous woman mechanic who like is shedding all of these societal expectations upon her because I think she's also like a Celtic and like German studies major like on top of being a mechanic and like (laughs) yeah like it's just funny like some of like the weird little like interests that she has like it's it's just great. She's a yeah. full like the character development for for Mercy Thompson is uh, incredible. Love her so much. Um, yeah. Well, that's that's all I really have for the just nerdy things. There are some things that like 
we're dying to talk about, but I'm like, I want to wait until sometimes V is here because I know yeah. there are things that she really wants to talk about. Yep. Uh, Smash Brothers, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Like we all know somebody is dying to talk about that. Um, so a call to action. Where is there anything um, that's going on on your end that you just want people to maybe like go check out? Um, specific events or just like things in general if not totally fine um, I can't think of anything um, right now that is like I'm trying to think of something that might be happening but I can't think (laughs) I feel like I'm missing something there might there there's something happening because there's always something happening Um, I do I do know this however if um there are a lot of uh, grants being released Sep- between like September through the end of the year. A lot of the, um, it, this is this restart of the uh, fiscal for the government. And as such, there is uh, new money flowing. So a lot of, uh, a lot of grant making happens during this time. It's a, it's a kind of a reset. It's kind of the January, so to speak calendar year for a lot of grant makers so if you are um bipoc artist designer a singer um, whatever it might be landscaper whatever those things are seek out if there's funding because right now they're probably announcing it within this next uh, month to, to two months um and we've also been talking about the bipoc mental health awareness um that this we got through like mental health, I think it was mental illness week, but that October still is that sort of BIPOC mental health awareness uh, opportunity to just sort of recognize that. So they all tie together. Yes, especially if you need, you you want, um, you know, Kylie was talking about sort of accelerators for home ownership or financial literacy. Those, there's probably a grant program out there for it, probably is being announced. And it might be um, not necessarily a big, huge program. It may be something that's specifically in your community, like a county based or regional based program so please look those up um start doing some googles for for those nice i love that you brought up funding because my call to action was actually going to be about taxes and the fact that you should file for them (laughs) Uh, you know what i mean if you have not filed your taxes for some reason this year just know that you're missing out on money more money your own money you're missing out um you know what i mean when these stimulus packages come along and when people are getting these payouts if you haven't filed your taxes there you're not going to get it like they discount you um for some of i think this next one is like you have to have like filed your taxes um but also um start your own business if you are in some place that you feel like you cannot be yourself in but you have the skills and knowledge to do that job yourself and you see a need um within your community that this is a service that is just not welcoming other people that look like you and um you have the knowledge to help or you're in a position to like make that move for yourself. Do not have such a scarcity mindset of I have to keep working for this job because X, Y, Z. There are things you can do, especially nowadays, get the grants, get the, do the planning. 
get the yeah. grant, start your own nonprofit, start your yes. own business. And so much of the things that you're probably already doing, extending yourself, um, now become tax write-offs. You know, yeah. these are the, like health and wealth tips that we can pass on. Uh, a lot of it is just like tax games and manipulations, right? Yeah. Um, say you want some continuing education in whatever your field is in, and you've just been paying for your education semester by semester out of pocket because you don't want to be in debt because you've seen so many things happen with other people and you've heard all these horror stories about student loans and you're operating out of this like scarcity and fear mm-hmm. like I've been there I that was me I was so adverse to having any type of debt because my mom had lived in debt for pretty much her whole life and was just now paying it off and seeing the ramifications of that debt in my life and I was just like oh god like I don't want that yeah like Exactly. I, there were there were schooling opportunities that I missed by not applying for these loans, right? Right. And by not just like going for it and maybe not getting like a giant loan, maybe just doing something that's smaller and more feasible for yourself. But it's an investment in yourself, right? Yeah. Don't be afraid to invest in yourself. This is yeah. the time. The call to action is for you to invest in yourself. You have knowledge on the subject get a side hustle like maybe you won't leave your main job maybe that main job is great for your insurance like you have health insurance you're doing good your bills are paid great now let's use the knowledge that you have to build something better for yourself to where you are not having to rely on this company solely for your retirement plans now you have money that you can invest now you can start doing some of these things that you didn't think you could do and you may find that that side hustle actually becomes your main hustle and becomes way more lucrative to you than you thought it would just by the consistency that you have around it alone so pay your taxes invest in yourself um learn learn something new if you feel like your current skill set is not conducive Mm -hmm. to having a side project or having a business but I guarantee you every single person has some sort of skill set that they just never thought would apply to other people outside of themselves like yes that's- share that skill set with yourself more like like Kylie said the investment can also be a self-investment um, of, of education in yourself so it can also just be that I'm using this skill that I have I know how to live stream or do digital things, whatever that might look like, create digital content. Let me do that for myself. And then, you know, you are your portfolio. So really yes. like say you're live streaming and you're a Twitch streamer and like you do this regularly and you do this outside of your nine to five. Yeah. Create your exactly. own business as a streamer. And now your home is a, your a home office. And now some of your electricity bills and some of the money that you spend on gaming and your chair and like all this other stuff can now become a tax write off and can now start benefiting you. Like, yeah. <sighs> do it, do it, do it. Um, big move Monday. I wanted to give to Nandy Bushel. Uh, for those who don't know, Nandy Bushel is a badass little rock star um, and social activist. She is uh, highly, I think I want to say Tom Morello and like Jack Black have just like taken her under their wing and Mm -hmm. um, she has a band and they, I think it's, um, they're on Instagram, I think you can find them. But she's been in like so many different articles 
because she does music around climate change and she does music around all of these um, societal issues. And she plays guitar, lead guitar, she sings, and she's just an all around badass little girl. Like, how many I'm people following have- her on, on Instagram right yeah. now? Uh, like, how many yeah. people have the balls uh, to go ahead and like, use their platform like this. I know grown adults who don't have this gumption or this talent. Exactly. Yeah. So like shout outs to her. Um, Jack Black just did a, they just did a music video that they released um, a few days ago. Um, And I think on Instagram, she's just Nandy underscore um, Bushel. Yes. So if you guys want to find her, be respectful, be kind. She is a child, right? With so an account managed by her parents. So with an account managed by her parents. So I don't want none of these heads going over there and being don't mess, don't 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 embarrass us, okay? Make don't sure do you it. Feel support and respectful. <laughs> it's also giving like Captain vibes for like their album cover, like they're in space with their rock, you know what I mean? Getting their rock on. Cars and stuff like it's it's great um and the album is the children will rise um and it dropped on the 8th of october so it just dropped a few days ago and it's great um it's absolutely stellar they've got music videos out for it already the children will rise up um like i can't think of like a better message to end this episode on no this is the children will rise up Okay, big move Monday. They're rising. Y'all better be prepared. Um, So yeah, do you want to take us out? Yes, I will. Thank you everyone again for listening to Lady Blurred Sing the Blues. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Pods, and our original home SoundCloud. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at at Lady Blurred's Podcast. And for questions and suggestions about the show, you can email us at don't cast in drive. That's don't cast in drive. Um, and lastly, beat shout outs to Drap Nerd, who I'm about to talk to shortly for our theme, and DJ Tayukin and Mark Cooper sounds keeping us lifted within the show. Yes, that is it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we missed you, B. Yes, we'll catch you next time. Next time. We love you all. Goodbye. Bye.